1: Welcome to Podsky, I'm Josh Smith
0: and I'm Mike Graham
1: Mike a ton to talk about today and almost universally it's good stuff let's kick it off with the biggest news of the last couple of weeks and that was the Board of Governors vote that we last talked about the last time we recorded it hadn't happened yet and we were kind of on pins and needles but I think both of us were optimistic that this thing was going to go ahead and then we get the announcement that not only did it go ahead the season's going to start on time, August 5th, August 5th with a 14-game schedule that will culminate in the 108th Grey Cup right here in my hometown of Hamilton, Ontario. We found out training camps will open in July, I believe it's July 10th. They'll run for three weeks. There won't be any preseason games. The vote was, allegedly, unanimous in returning to play. So Mike, basic question. When you got this announcement, when you saw this hit, hit your Twitter feed, how did it make you feel?
0: Uh, there was, there was a quite a, a bit, you know, a large amount of relief, um, even though, uh, as you said, we were both pretty confident that this thing was going to go through, whether it was unanimous or not. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear everyone voted yes, and uh, this thing is a go. It just, uh, it brightened up my day, it brightened up my month, it brightened up my year. Uh, we got CFL football back, and we'll be going to live games in the summer. Um and it's just very exciting for me.
1: Yeah, it feels a little silly given everything that we've dealt with that this would be sort of such like I, and I think I touched on this on maybe it was the last show or show before, or maybe it was just you and I talking privately. That like part of me was I, I don't, I won't say I didn't miss the CFL, but it, I didn't miss it as much as I thought I would and i was wondering if like would how would i feel when the announcement came that they're coming back and i was so elated and so overjoyed that i thought okay you know what i think that i kind of compartmentalized my missing of the CFL and that once it was like we're back i was like oh okay we're back now i'm like just over the moon excited like i didn't think there was any chance that this wouldn't happen uh we talked about that before i just to me there was no Given where we are with vaccinations and how the pandemic is essentially slowing down and we're going to be out of it, I would say, relatively soon, next couple of months, if, if not shorter, it just feels like there was no way that this wouldn't go in the positive. But I didn't think I would be as excited as I was. If, if I don't know if that sounds silly, but I just felt like over the course of the last few months and uh, the last year and a bit, I was able to – like. G- gain interest in other things and not necessarily that i put the cfl away but it's like oh it's not here so i you know i got to find other things to fill my time with and i did and i enjoyed all those things but then to find out this is back and to find out like we got a schedule so we know wh- who's playing and then we got a schedule that we know is going to be played like this isn't like before where they sent out a schedule and was like if we start on time this is what we're going to get and then they delayed the start of the season or last year it's like here's a schedule but then they didn't end up playing we can look at the 14 games in the Ticat schedule and go, we know exactly where they're going to be on what date. And I, that made me so much more excited and so much more happy than I anticipated that it, it took me by surprise.
0: Yeah. I kind of suppressed the feelings as well. You know, when the, when the season was canceled in 2020 um, you know, we, we knew it was coming. Um, so I just gave in and, and then just told myself, okay, there's not going to be CFL football this year. But then once uh, 2021 came around and, you know, things started to look better with the pandemic and all that stuff, uh, I really started to miss it. And if there was if there was another canceled season, you know, I I don't know what I would have done because, uh, you know, it's a big part of my life. um, And uh, it's just it's exciting to get all these teams back on the field. And and it's a good thing for the players and the coaches and, and all the employees and all that great stuff. So. Um, I'm with you. I was a bit, you know, numb, I guess you could say to not having CFL football around, but now that we know it's coming back, um, I'm just as excited as you.
1: Yeah. You're at a thousand percent excitement level where, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the the only thing about this, that maybe this might be one of the only, or one of the few negative things we talk about today is about the vote. I have two questions for you. Do you believe that it was actually unanimous? And more importantly do you even care uh
0: i do i do believe it was unanimous um i think if it wasn't you know you know some someone that doesn't you know i think it would have got it i think people would have reported it that uh you know the argos and the alouettes didn't vote yes they're you know it's, it's just a bunch of bs because you know some reporters love to uh, jump on the negative, and that's fine. That's what they do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have cared if, if, if they voted no. You know, one or two teams voted no. I would have been pretty bitter towards those teams just because of, you know, what they're voting no against. You know, you're 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 taking away jobs. You're 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 killing the league basically. You're trying to hurt the league um, because you're going to lose a little bit of money. And we know who it would have been if they voted no and they have more money than God. So, um, I would have been pretty upset. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Cause he, like I, I'm with you in that if it wasn't unanimous, I think by now, especially like we're almost two weeks out from this announcement, it would have leaked somehow. And I, uh-huh. and maybe, maybe the, the teams like Toronto or, or, or Montreal, maybe they need to be like persuaded a little bit. I could see that. But at the end of the day, yeah, if they would have voted no, um, i'm in the same boat as you i would have been a little ticked off for the same reasons you expressed but i wouldn't have cared in the like macro sense because it's like are we playing then we're playing you know what i mean like at the end of the day whether they voted yes or no as long as the game's back on the field and these players are playing and these teams are operating it doesn't matter how we got here as far as i'm concerned now that we're here all that matters is that we are here and we are a few weeks out from the start of training camps and the start of the season. And that, at the end of the day, is all I really care about.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I, mean, I suppose if they voted no, then the, the, they were still playing. It's like, well, you know, too bad for you. You know, we're every other team wants to play. This league wants to move forward. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter how you feel because there's, there's the Toronto Argonauts or the Montreal Alouettes are on the field, so screw you.
1: Yeah, or any other like we, we we believe it because of what what's been reported by some pretty reputable sources that it was those two teams. But if it was any team, if it was BC. if It was Hamilton. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, we're getting football, and at, that's really well, the
0: reporting awful. was never they're not they're gonna they're gonna vote no. It's no they may they may like, they may they yeah just kept yeah saying it over and over and over and over and over and over and it was kind of annoying because like you're just putting stuff out there that you know you don't know it's true. Like you're just saying. You're basically covering your ass saying they may, but if they don't, then you're like, oh, I said it, they may. You know, 50 million times I said they may.
1: Yeah, but that's fair. Whatever. But, I mean, like... They're, they're
0: But where where was the information coming from? Like, usually they say someone within the organization. Or, like, I'm not saying, like, they have to give up their... Uh, no, give their up their sources. sources that, yeah. Like, like, no way. But, like, something along those lines would have been nice instead of... Uh, these two teams may not want to play just putting negative information out there into the stratosphere. So I don't know they can get clicks or something. I'm not sure, but like a little bit of information would have been nice instead of just throwing that stuff out there.
1: I think it came from what happened last year and, but
0: we all knew that like, yeah, but but again, it's it's different years, like different circumstances. Yeah, for sure. You could have no fans in the stands twenty twenty one. It was a little bit different, but they kept saying it over and over again. Yeah. You know? So whatever. It but didn't I mean,
1: at the end of the day, you're right. Didn't happen. We're getting football this year, and that is really the most important thing here. So with a new season came a new schedule, and Mike, I am we're not we're doing some bold predictions today, but this is and this is this kind of ties into one of my bold predictions, but I'm I'm gonna say it and I think I might need you to uh to, to be the voice of reason here, we're going to talk about the TyCats schedule, and I got it right in front of me, and I'm looking at it, and I think the Ticats have a legitimate chance to go undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some people put out some early like standings predictions and stuff like that, and some of them had the Ticats at like nine and five or eight and six, and I even if even if you don't think they're going to go undefeated, I think that is incredibly low. Um, I see, know, no,
0: they're going to be seven and seven. seven of course serious. they are. Of course they are.
1: But in, in all honesty, I, you look at the schedule and I see no more than three games in my mind, as we sit here in late June, that are even questionable. There's no trip to BC, which is always a tough one. There's no game to ca- in Calgary, which is a game that they always lose and have lost since we, we've been like teenagers. It seems like, yeah. um, and they have six combined games, which is almost half the schedule against Toronto and Ottawa. So, if you can, Mike, talk me out of this. Tell me where you see some of the losses on this schedule. Um, we, we can run it down after that, but I, I just need to know, where are you looking at the schedule and going, oh, they will definitely lose that game?
0: Well, listen, they played the Toronto Argonauts four times. It's hard to beat a team three times in a season. You know, four times. I think they're probably going to lose one to the Argonauts, and I hate saying that, but I, I just don't see them winning four in a row. Uh, not four in a row, but four games in the regular season against the Argonauts. Um, You know, they got a a tough schedule to start. Uh, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, then Montreal. Um, Listen, I I love it. I love, uh, you know, your prediction of, you know, an undefeated season, and I hope it happens, but I just... I see them losing one or two. Um, I think they're going to have a tremendous record this year, but I, I just... I wish I could be the 14, on the 14-0 and 0 train, but I, I think they're going to lose one or two.
1: Okay, so the three games that I have circled as tough games, Week 1 at Winnipeg, Week 2 at Saskatchewan, and the game against the Stampeders here in Hamilton. Um, like the Montreal game, uh, Week 4, I think is going to be difficult. Uh, I, I don't agree with you at all. I think they're going to sweep the Argos. I, I, okay. I, I know a lot of people are, are high on Toronto until I see it on the field i'm i'm not ready to to get and toronto if you look at their schedule like their first you know what i have the schedule right in front of me we can go through it like they're going to be they if they're if they're good we'll know by labor day if they're good because they start the season at calgary then go at winnipeg then they host winnipeg uh then they host edmonton uh and then it's labor day so that's four games there they could easily be owned 4 by the time they get to labor day and then they yeah. play two against the Ticats. That's 0 6. Like that is a as tough a start as any team has in this league. Um if, if they if they get through that at two and two or, or three and one, then yeah, okay, you know what? They're maybe they're a legit contender. But until I see it on the field, I don't think they really have anything to worry about with the Argos. Ottawa to me, um I they're they're at least a year away, as far as I'm concerned. And then there is the game in Edmonton, but I mean, you're there, and ever since you've been there, they've pretty much won every game that they've played at Commonwealth. So, I don't really see that as really being difficult. And yeah,
0: pretty, much, pretty much.
1: After, after, after starting on Labor Day, beginning of September, they leave the province of Ontario once, and that is to play in Edmonton. They get BC here, they get Calgary here, they then get Saskatchewan here in the end the year. Like, it's I don't know. I they, they, I look at the schedule. If they can start off this, if they get to Labor Day undefeated um i think they get through labor day and that it, it's the calgary game to me that i think it holds the cards if they get through calgary if they are six and zero after the calgary game they don't lose a, a game the rest of the season they go undefeated and it's one of the greatest seasons in tie history
0: okay well i don't i don't want to poo poo on the party <laughs> i really don't uh no
1: but you know what even if they if they go 12 and 2 11 and 3 like that's still a great season i just think oh, yeah. that they and again you know things happen bounce like who would have thought uh, in 2019, that they would have they, they blow out Montreal here, and then they go to Montreal and lose. You know what I mean? And like the games that they lost in 2019 were one score games. I think they lost to Montreal by eight. I think they lost to Saskatchewan by like five or six, and they lost to Calgary by the same. Like it was a blocked field goal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that would have taken the lead. So it's like there's the
0: guy like jumped like 20 feet. Yeah, exactly, other... <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> so aside from the Grey Cup that they got blown out in. They had they could have legitimately gone undefeated two years ago. So I look at a short schedule, a veteran-laden team. Again, I'm not I'm not saying they will go undefeated. I'm saying that they have a, a chance to. Um, outside of that, though, are there any games on this schedule that you're uh, most excited for? Outside, like obvious ones like like Labor Day, of course. But is there anyone that you're just um, oh I can't I, I, obviously you're gonna, you're excited about the Edmonton game because you're going to go to that one. Any other ones on the schedule that you're kind of like chomping at the bit to see? Is
0: it all uh, of them? I, I, all, all of them because <laughs> of the year off. But I I just always <clears throat> have great interest when the Tiger Cats play the Stampeders. Even if it's not in Calgary, you know, you mentioned earlier our terrible streak we have there. But, yeah, I, I just love beating the Calgary Stampeders. So that Friday, September 17th game, um, I have circled on the calendar, but... Uh, you know the all the matchups against the Argonauts, I'm looking forward to because you know they seem to be signing everyone under the under the moon and um, you know trying to build a really good team and I just I just look forward to you know smacking them around and bring them back down to earth. So all the Argonauts games, obviously the Edmonton game. I wish it wasn't so late in the season because it might be a little bit cold, but I'll, I'll uh, you know. I'll put on my uh, snow pants and uh, and get out there. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, and, and you know, the rematch of the Grey Cup against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's a small consolation to put a whooping on them in the first game of the season, but uh, I look forward to it.
1: Yeah, that's another reason I think, like, if Winnipeg's going to be good, they only got one against the Bombers, and it's week one. And it's not like IG Field has been a tough place for the Ticats to play. Last time these two teams met, there Simone Lawrence set the single game tackle record, and they beat the living piss out of the Bombers. So, I don't know. I I, I really like this schedule, Mike. I think uh, it bodes well for the Ty Cats having uh, having a, a another wonderful non five hundred season. Um, and honestly, just being able to go over the schedule, it just feels great that we know we'll have. Ticats cats football back in our lives in 2021 um moving on though one person who won't have tie cats football in their life this season or any other season is courtney steven the, the veteran defensive back announced his retirement on thursday after a seven-year cfl career six of which were spent with our beloved Ty cats steven was the tie cats first draft pick in 2012 going eighth overall he went back to school for his senior season in 2012 at Northern Illinois and the thing I remember most about that is he was playing on the Northern Illinois team that ended up going to the Orange Bowl they had an undefeated regular season and then they went to the Orange Bowl and lost unfortunately to Florida State um, he started his career in Hamilton as the team's fieldside corner before taking over as the starting safety following uh, Craig Butler's injury and in, I believe it was 2016 16, I think he missed, and Stephen filled in there, and then Butler came back and then ultimately had to retire. Uh, he finishes his career, Stephen, that is, with 219 defensive tackles, 54 special teams tackles, 12 picks, 7 forced fumbles, and 2 sacks. So, Mike, when you saw the news that Courtney Stephen was hanging him up, what were your thoughts?
0: Uh, I was a little bit disappointed. You know, Courtney has been a, a solid player for the Cats over the years, whether it's been at corner or safety, or it, he's been a, a backup. Uh, whatever the role was courtney did a great job so um and and, and if coming into this year he would have been uh, a great backup to Adelake. um you know if, if he would have went down you could have slid him in at safety and you you know you might lose a little bit but uh courtney you know he's a very dependable guy back there so um you know we lose some depth with this retirement but uh you know he had a really good career and uh, i i remember him fondly as a tiger guy
1: yeah, the thing that always sticks out to me about his career was in 2018 when he lost his starting spot in training camp to Mike Daly, and you're thinking, oh man, a veteran player like that who started a ton of games in this league gets bumped down the depth chart. You think, oh, could he get released or will he be disgruntled? And all he did was go out and become the team's best special teams player and was a unanimous selection as the Cats' top special teamer in 2018. So you think of a guy like that who did whatever he was asked fill whatever role was needed like i said started his career as the field corner before moving to safety you, you look at a guy like th- th- those guys are so valuable especially canadian guys to have on the roster it's just uh like i you know obviously wish him the best in in what he does in the future but yeah it's going to be it's going to be a bummer not seeing him on the field and i wonder if this is one of those pandemic related retirements where because uh, mm-hmm. he's still a young guy you know what i mean like i don't even think he's 30 yet um, but he, he moved on with his life and now he's, he's on to something else. And, uh, I, what I really hope with all these retirements from guys, we've seen a ton of guys, especially the Ticats around the league, really retire. I kind of hope that, that the teams find a way to bring these guys in for a special halftime ceremony or something to ha- let the fans show their appreciation and like give them kind of that, like standing ovation. And then thank you for what they provided to the team. And I hope every team at some point, if not this year, maybe next year, or you know, at some point. They they get all these guys that, that have meant so much because like we we've lost guys like Courtney Stephen and Delvin Bro who have meant an awful lot. CJ Gable I know he went to Edmonton but he signed with the High retire. Guys like this that we that we've talked about that we've lost uh, to you know, doing stuff outside of football. It would be nice to, for them to be able to come back to the stadium one last time and kind of get uh, get sort of the the fan rousing ovation that they kind of deserve as they head off into the sunset.
0: Yeah, that would be a nice gesture by all the teams. Uh, you know, being off from football year, you uh, find different ways to make money. And then um, when the football season comes back, it may not be worth it. You know, you might have a really good job, a full-time job that's dependable and all that stuff. So a lot of these guys are, are just uh, moving on. And, uh, you know, I wish them all the best. And, but that's what the CFL's is about, right? You know, you lose guys every year and then new guys come in, new stars are born. So, um, yeah, it's kind of disappointing to lose some of these big names, but uh, they will be replaced by uh, younger guys because there's no shortage of football players out there.
1: No, and it's, it is, that is the one consolation prize to losing some of the – And I won't, I, Courtney team wasn't a star player, but move, recognizable players, especially inside the community, uh, you're going to find guys. You're going to get guys that are going to replace them, and you're going to get guys that weren't household names, at least by each team will become household names with, with the fan bases there, and they'll become popular players just like guys like Courtney Stephen was in Hamilton. Um, another retirement, this one, uh, this is a biggie. This was a shocker. This is uh, We're moving on to the C- – that was really the only TICAT stuff we had to talk about. So we're going to move on to some CFL news here, and that was the just surprise retirement of Ottawa receiver Brad Sinopoli. Uh, eight-year veteran, started his career in Calgary, but he really became sort of the household name as a receiver in Ottawa – During his career, he he did it all. Two-time Most Outstanding Canadian, two-time Grey Cup champion, three-time East All-Star, one-time CFL All-Star, 4,000-yard receiving seasons. And even before he got to the CFL, he was the 2010 Heck Crichton winner when he was the quarterback for the Ottawa Gigi's. Just a remarkable, great career for Brad Sinopoli. With all his accomplishments, Mike, both in university and at the professional level, I ask you, is he a Canadian Football Hall of Famer?
0: Yeah I think he is um you know you combine the college career and the professional career I think he's got to be in there um you know he was the best Canadian receiver for many years in the CFL. it seems like you know there hasn't been a lot of standout Canadian receivers recently and, and he's basically been the only one uh, correct me if I'm missing anybody but uh you know, I kind of miss that, uh, you know, star Canadian receivers that we used to have in this league. And it's just, it seems like <clears throat> they're just put into that fifth position in, uh, in the receivers group and uh, kind of ignore it out there. So, um, yeah, Brad Sinopoli, uh, a great player and uh, I think a future Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, thinking about Canadian receivers, after Fantuz, like Sinopoli took that mm-hmm. that mantle from him and... There hasn't really been anyone like. There's, I think, there's some good receivers. I think there's some guys that are capable. I think Lamar Durant is capable. I think Shaq Johnson in BC, both those guys are in BC. Actually, I think those guys are capable. Um, I mean, we saw glimpses of it with Mike Jones here before he left. I think. I don't know if he. I, like, I don't think these guys can get to the Brad Sinopoli level. Um, it's funny. I think the Lamar
0: whole th- Durant, maybe. maybe. Maybe Lamar Durant. Oh, uh, there's a there's a Canadian guy in uh, Edmonton too. Oh, Tavon Smith. Uh, he, yeah, he was in the NFL for a little yeah. bit, and he has potential. But, but yeah, n- no way are these guys like, you know, fantus level stars, where they're like one, you know, one of the top five receivers, uh, American or Canadian, in the league. So I'd like to see those those Canadian guys, you know, emerge um, as we go on, you know, in in you know this year and moving forward.
1: Yeah, we kind of have. It's almost like we've replaced the Canadian receiver with the Canadian running back. And I know it's not yeah, as yeah. not as not as plentiful. I'm not I'm not going that far, but like Andrew Harris is kind of the face of Canadian players right now. I I think that that's fair to say. Um, and I think before him, like you had Fantuz, you had Snoppy, had guy like that. But like John Cornish, like those were guys to me. Like those two kind of took the as the faces of the Canadian side of the game. Those those were probably the two biggest outside of Fantuz and Snoppy. So there, it's the running backs that have kind of replace the receiver yeah really Jerome Messam days, right? yeah for sure, sure. Mm-hmm. um yeah I don't really know out there I, I'm sure someone's gonna step up but I, I'm you got me a little worried now that maybe it might be a while before we see another Canadian crack the thousand yard mark
0: yeah I mean it's uh it's a part of the game that uh, I've been missing you know that big can may maybe it's uh our boy uh Jake Burke. maybe he's the next maybe. big Canadian receiver star I mean fingers crossed right
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, always, always fingers crossed with the Ticats. Um, I'm with you. I think he is a Hall of Famer as well. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, um, but I think you, you put in the fact that he was the top player in U Sports, well, then the CIS, and that what he was able to remake himself as a professional. He came. I mean, he came into the league. He was drafted as a quarterback by the Stamps, and then they turned him into a receiver, and then he went to Ottawa and just became – the best Canadian receiver in the CFL, quite frankly, um, after we Andy Fantus started kinda of slowing down. So yeah, I think he's uh his spot in the Hall of Fame is probably pretty secure. But I mean we've seen weirder things with guys not getting in that you, you think should, you know? But you look at the resume and it's just what what else could he have done outside of win an M O P, which receivers rarely do and Canadian receivers I don't think ever do. Um he he's done it all. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, he's 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 won two great cups, but one of them he was actually Involved in like he was, he was on that 2014 Stamps team where he was like a third stringer and a special teams guy, but he was a main reason why the the Red Blacks won in 2016. So, I mean, you all star nods like the, to me, there's nothing really you can say. It feels weird because like when I think someone put out, I think it was Derek Taylor put out a few months ago, like what players currently in the CFL are no doubt for like Hall of Famers, and it was like okay, I, you could name a few like some of the like Bow and Riley and. I think Banks and Simone are pretty pretty locked in. And there were a few, John Bowman. I, I listed a few, but and then someone was like, I'm going to assume that you left Brad Sinopoli off by accident. And I was like, yeah, I kind of did, because I kind of didn't think of him as a Hall of Fame caliber player, like a really good player. But then you look at the, the resume and you go, yeah, there's, there's no way this guy's not getting a bust.
0: No. Yeah, I don't <laughs> He's He's getting in there for sure, whether it be first, second, third ballot, yeah. Bad will eventually be in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> and that is probably the last nice thing we will say about the Ottawa Red Blacks mm-hmm.
0: over the course of most, the season. Most definitely. Most definitely.
1: <laughs> um, all right. So moving on to some fun stuff, Mike. The last time out, you and I decided that we were going to rank the nine CFL team logos. And of course, you, you do this, you know you're going to catch some heat from some people. And the ones that we caught the most heat from was the team we ranked last, and that was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There was this preposterous idea that we only ranked them ninth because of the outcome of the last Grey Cup. And as I said, that's an absolutely ludicrous idea. Guys, even Bombers fans, most of the Bombers fans, John Hodge, big time Bombers fan, said on his podcast on the three donation pod, said it's it's a nice logo. Like he said I believe he doesn't hate doesn't think any of the logos in the CFL are bad, and I agree with that. But he goes to Bombers, it's a W with an outline. He said the exact same thing I said on here, on here two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Like it's a W with an outline. It's it's nothing. You know what I mean? So the idea that we ranked them last because of a of a loss in a in a Grey Cup game to me is insane. And then people mm-hmm. also claim that we ranked the Tycats logo as number one just because we're fans in the team. But then not long after our episode dropped, science, Mike, science proved us correct when the survey that uh, we did at Three Down came out that over 2,000 CFL fans participated in. And guess what happened, Mike? The Ticats finished as the number one logo and the Bombers finished as the number nine logo. So all I'll say to all the people who came at us is suck it. Science Uh proved us right
0: yeah we're once again proven correct josh we're always right on pods kiwi oh 100 so. percent.
1: i mean 100
0: well, of the time if, if, but yeah it's uh i mean it's not rocket science it's just like you said it's just a white w with an outline i mean it's <clears throat> if we were bitter about the gray cup we would have said we wouldn't have said that we liked their uniforms and uh you know the same thing was thrown at me when i was so bitter about the uh that country blumpkin uh, that was in the, the, the booth for the Grey Cup. Who's the, oh, Keith know. Urban. Yes. And yes, it's coming back to this again, everybody. And <laughs> Mike will never shut up. I will never <laughs> shut up about this. But uh, people, you know, accused me. Even Chris Cuthbert said something, I think, on Twitter that, oh, they're just upset because the Ticats lost so badly. That has nothing to do with it. Like if the Ticats were, were up by 30 and they brought Keith Urban into the booth for, you know, it seemed like an hour. Um, I would have been upset as well because they're not calling the game. So, yeah, the 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 Bombers uh, logo, it had nothing to do with the shellacking we took in the Great Cup. It's just, it's just a plain logo that uh, doesn't stand out uh, among all the nine logos.
1: No, and I think anyone with any objectivity... Now, you might not agree that Ticats have the best logo, and I'm okay with that. You think another logo is better? That's... But I think we can all agree, objectively, that Winnipeg ranks number nine. I think that that's Uh fair, regardless of any outcomes of any games. Uh, So we're... Do you remember a few weeks ago when I called us the Heat Foundation and you kind of chuckled and you thought it was a a good-natured thing because, you know, the play on the Heart Foundation and, you know, you and I getting heat from everybody uh, because of uh, some of our takes. Uh, We're about to earn that name today again, I think, Mike, with with the logo controversy behind us. I think it's time to to start some more. And if you'll recall, the last episode, we were asked to give our power rankings but decided... That we give ourselves some time to think about it, and that when we came back for the next episode, that we would, we would unveil our, I guess, somewhat early, although not not too, I don't think, too early, power rankings. So, uh, Mike, you ready to uh, piss people off and earn the Heat Foundation nickname once again?
0: Mm-hmm. Let's do it.
1: All right. So uh, let's go nine to one. I think that's the best way to do it. Uh, I, I, if you don't mind, I'll start. I have Ottawa in ninth. I think, uh, I think that's self-explanatory. The last time we saw them play, they were god awful. Uh, they just lost Brad Sinopoli, Jalen Saunders, who they're expecting to be a big part of their offense had a horrific car crash. Uh, and he doesn't look like he's going to be back anytime soon. Matt Nichols is a, is a nice player at quarterback, but Matt Nichols doesn't win you football games. He just doesn't lose you football games, Uh, Ottawa. Maybe they don't end the season as the worst team in the league, but heading into the season, I don't think there's any debate, any question that they are number nine in any power rankings.
0: Yeah, I think if you asked 99 CFO fans or 100 CFO fans, 99 of them would put Ottawa at number nine. And, uh, you know, I'm the same as you, Josh. Ottawa was bad uh, the last season we played and they haven't done much at all to improve themselves. And they've lost some players, some big name players. So, you know, Jalen Saunders, like you said, in that car crash. I mean, he we know what kind of player he is. He could have really helped. The Ottawa Red Blacks, but it's unfortunate that it happened, and uh, he's probably not going to be around for this season. So yeah, I just don't, I just don't see where they've improved at all. Uh, so that's why I have them last place.
1: Yeah, I don't think, I think Jalen Saunders would have been fun to watch in Ottawa, but I don't think there would have, like, I don't think he would have been enough to get them. To, like, I, if they're lucky they're fighting for the last playoff spot. And that's if everything goes right for them, you know, and I just, I just don't see it right now. Uh, at number eight, this one might be a little controversial, but again, we're kind of, g- I don't really care about the off season moves they made. I'm not sold mm-hmm. on them until we see them hit the field. And I got the Toronto Argonauts at number eight on this list. It's just, i am like I said, I'm going to need to see them actually play on the field before I trust that Ryan Dinwiddie knows what he's doing as a head coach that Nick Arbuckle can be a full-time starter, uh, and that that defense that they signed a lot of guys on is going to gel and become as good as, as as the talent on the field says they should be. The names are, are massive. Are they going to be that good? Charleston Hughes, love the guy as a player. At some point, he is going to slow down. And after a year off, you, like maybe his body feels good, but maybe it's also he, he gets hit that first time, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this doesn't feel as good as I used to. So... I, I, it's foolish to question Charleston Hughes because, I mean, how many years since he left Calgary has he still been doing it? But until I see the proof on the field that the Argos are, are competent and competitive, I got to have him pretty low. So I got them in my number eight slot.
0: Well, <clears throat> we have the same team at number eight. I, I have wow. the Argonauts as well. And pretty much for the same reasons you have, you know, we've seen teams go out and sign all the free agents under the sun and, and you know, bring in this mismatch of. Um, talent and they, and they have a lot of talented guys that they brought in you know their linebacking core looks looks amazing on paper and um, a lot of things look amazing on paper for the Toronto Argonauts but I am not convinced either Ryan Dinwiddie rookie head coach um, he came out of a good system in Calgary but uh, you, you never know how head coaches will will be their first year their first go around so um, there's a lot of question marks with the Toronto Argonauts and uh, I'm not convinced either so that's why I have them second last.
1: And think about this, Mike. How many offseason Grey cups did the Ticats win in the mid-2000s to then go out and have so a 5-13 and 13 record? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Casey
0: Printers coming in, the, the savior. J- Jason Moss coming in, the savior.
1: Remember, um, remember when they signed Chris Brazzle from the BC Lions? I, my dad still talks about that to this day. He's like, he's going to come in, he's going to be a star receiver. I think he played like six games before he was cut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can sign all the names in the world, but until I see it, I'm not buying it. Corey uh, no. Holmes,
0: he was a guy that Corey came Holmes, in and yep. huge expectations and yep. just didn't live up to it. So I believe you know, those big free agent names just don't don't pan out sometimes.
1: No, and I believe wasn't Corey Holmes? Didn't they trade the first mm-hmm. pick in the Ottawa dispersal draft to Saskatchewan to get Corey Holmes? And then the yeah. Riders took Carey Joseph, who goes on to be an MOP and Grey Cup champion with them. Mm-hmm. The Ticats beat. Well, we had Jason Moss. We didn't need Carey Joseph, so. You know, you never know who's going to work out, but yeah, there's a lot of guys that uh that are a lot of times at the Ticats where where the where the Argos are in 2021 and everyone was thinking, oh, they're gonna they're gonna dominate the East and then they finish in last place again. Um number seven, I got the BC Lions. Now, I don't think the BC Lions are going to finish as the worst team in the West, but there is one giant question mark, and that is their offensive line. They were not able to keep Mike Riley healthy uh, two seasons ago or one season ago, two years ago, I should say. And I don't know if they've done a whole heck of a lot. Like they brought in Riker Matthews, which is an improvement. But other than that, they haven't really done a whole heck of a lot to improve that offensive line. So just because again, kind of uh, I that you got to prove it on the field before I'm willing to kind of kick you up a notch. I got the BC lions as my seventh team.
0: Well, I got BC as well. Oh God, this is getting boring. I know. Right. At number seven, I have the BC lions, uh, I think they're going to be improved over the last time they played. Um, you know, I think Riker Matthews is a great addition at left tackle, and they got Figueroa on the other tackle side. Um, but other than that, I'm not sure. You know, I'm just I'm just not sure about the BC lines. I think their defense is a little bit questionable. Uh, I've looked at their defensive line, and I'm like, who are these guys? You know, there's not um, – I think they're going to be strong in some areas, and then there's going to be some areas where they just – are very very weak, and uh, that's going to cause them problems. So I think they'll be better, but uh, I don't see them, you know, making a lot of noise this season.
1: If if if, and it's obviously a huge if. If they get the offensive line settled, I think the Lions can be a contender in the West. But they, if that doesn't happen, they're you know middling around the 500 mark, maybe making the playoffs. But if they get that if they get that turned around with the offensive weapons they have with with Riley back there. They can make noise, but they have to get that offensive line settled. If they don't do that, they are going to be in trouble again in 2021. At the number six spot, Mike, I have the Edmonton Elks. And my reasoning here is I am not a big believer in Jamie Elizondo. I think he's a decent offensive coordinator, but it's also a first-year head coach. We don't know what he's going to do. I know that they brought in a ton of ex-Ottawa players. They have Greg Ellingson. And Trevor Harris is obviously... Uh, there as the starting quarterback and there's a relationship there that might make them might be, they might be able to be better earlier than they, than normally you'd think. But there's just until I see it with the coach, like new coaches, new players to me, there's always question marks there. We don't know. Some guys turn out to be Orlando Steinhauer or Dave Dickinson come in and immediately have success. Then there's guys like George Cortez who everyone said was, should have been a head coach for years gets a head coaching job and it doesn't work or greg marshall everyone said he was he was the best guy not to not be a head coach becomes the head coach of the riders doesn't even make it through half a season you know what I mean? so there's some guys who are better suited to be coordinators and head coaches until we know what jamie elizondo is going to be i can't be very high on on the elks so i have them in sixth
0: and i have the alouettes okay. at uh, the, the number six spots you know, I think they're a good team. I think they'll, you know, squeak into the playoffs. Uh, well, maybe not squeaking. Maybe they'll be second in the East. Um, but I just, I, I don't see them as good as some of the uh, Western teams that I put ahead of them. So um, the Alouettes are going to be a good team, but I just, I just don't see them being um, a top team.
1: Well, we can move on to number five because my number five spot is the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, my reasoning for having them... Slightly ahead of Edmonton, uh, one is they play in the East, which only has one team that I think is head and shoulders better than them, and that's Hamilton. And continuity—they didn't. There wasn't a ton of changes with that team. Kahari Jones kind of built them up over the 2019 season. Vernon Adams is going to go into the season as the unquestioned starter. He has the rapport with those receivers. I think Montreal can get going earlier say maybe a team like Edmonton just because of the coaching change, although I did just say that they could get going early too. So I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here. But to me, Edmonton and Montreal are so close that I just came down to, for, for me, splitting them between five and six, was that Montreal is bringing back a lot of the same pieces. And I think that that was, what, a 10-win team in uh, 2019? I see no reason why they can't be something similar to that in 2021.
0: And I got the the Edmonton Elks at number five, so a little switcheroo from uh, our rankings. And, uh, listen, I think that they have a tremendous offensive line. Um, uh, The Edmonton Elks are going to be part of my bold predictions coming up here shortly. An individual player, not the team uh, prediction. But I I just think that – I think they dart – like, people are going to think I'm crazy here with this take, but – I think they dodged a bullet with Scott Milanovich leaving um, hmm. Edmonton. I just think his offense, that Mark Trestman, you know, West Coast style offense, is just played out. You think it's CFO. dated? That's
1: where that's where I thought I, you were going to go with that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do. I really do. I just think that it, it's just it. Teams have figured it out. They they know what they're going to do. The check down, constant check down, just drives me crazy. If that was uh, Hamilton's offense. I would, you know, jump through a window. But uh, it's just I. I think they're gonna be pretty good uh, they made some additions They I think their defense is gonna be strong I think they have a strong receiving core I think like I said I think they have a strong offensive line I think Trevor Harris is gonna be uh, you know he's been a really good quarterback and I think that this is his breakout year I think that he's gonna be one of the top guys in the CFL this year so that's why I had the Edmonton Elks at number five
1: I uh, you know what not we now to be fully honest, you and I have not discussed what our bowl predictions are going to be, uh, but I think I have a feeling as to what your Edmonton-based one is based on what you just said. So I think I think I know where you're going, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, what do you think about their run game, though, James Wilder Jr. Thousand thousand. 1,500, 1,500, 2,000, 2,000? Come on, he's the best running back at CFL history, isn't he?
0: Well, 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 well. we're just going to <laughs> have to wait, aren't
1: we? <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on to number four, I have, and this one might be a little controversial, I have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders at number four. Um, kind of teasing where I'm going with one of my bold predictions, I am not a big believer in Cody Fajardo. Um, I wasn't, I, I thought he did not deserve to be, well, I mean, he was, deserved. maybe not the right word, but he was West MOP in 2019, almost by default. Um, I do think that the Riders have a good enough roster around him that they can cover up some of his deficiencies. Um, I like that coaching staff. I think they're a good team. I think they will challenge in the West. But I don't think – they're they're not an upper echelon team to me, and that, that to me revolves all around the quarterback. So for those reasons, I have Saskatchewan at fourth in
0: my power rankings. All right. Well, I have, uh, I have the Bombers at number four, which – um, you know, it might shock some people as well, but I just, you know, I put it out there on Twitter, um, you know, last week or a couple of days ago, I can't remember, but uh, listen, I think there's going to be a drop-off with the Bombers. They were a run-heavy team when they won the Great Cup, uh, a rare run-heavy team um, in the CFL, and, you know, they had Strebler, they brought him in a lot, he ran the ball a lot, you know, Andrew Harris is, um, you know, a year older, almost two years older since he last played, you know, is he still on the juice? Who knows? That's going to be a factor. Um, you know, they lost their offensive coordinator, Paul LaPolice, to Ottawa. Uh, there's just, you know, and, and I, I hate talking about injuries, but Zach Claros, you know, if something happens with him, they have Sean McGuire, I think, is their backup, and he's not proven. Uh, you know, I think they're a good team. I just don't think they're going to be as good as they were in 2019 because of those reasons, and uh, there's going to be a drop-off with them.
1: Yeah, it was a fluky championship, quite frankly, with Winnipeg, and uh, we can. Move, I have them as my number three team, uh, and it's I have them that high simply based on the fact that they are the defending Grey Cup champions. There is a, a modicum of respect you have to give to that. I mean, most people would say they're the champs. You put them first. I don't. I don't buy that. They were to me. To me that's like saying, oh, should Ottawa have been number one in the power rankings after they won in 2016, despite the fact that. They finished under 500 that season. Like you know what I mean. Like it's not mm. one game does not tell me that this team is ultimately the better team. It means they're the better team on that one day. But I pounded that idea into the ground. This is uh, but there is some respect due to the defending champs, and they do have a very talented roster. Um, but yeah, the question mark is is with quarterback in that offense, simply because Zach Clarios, unfortunately, has not been able to stay healthy in his career, and. Losing Paul Lapalise, I think, I mean, I think people understand that that's a big blow, um, but I just don't know if they know exactly how big a blow that's going to be for a Winnipeg offense that, like you said, is very run-heavy and now is, is two years older than they used to be. It, there could be a drop-off there, but let's not forget that Winnipeg was a third-place team, and they just went on a incredible run. Like almost in the same way, I don't want to get into hockey talk, but it's like the Montreal Canadiens right now got to the Stanley Cup Finals, and it's like if you would have if you had done a power rankings of of the sixteen playoff teams, the Habs would have come in sixteenth at the start of the playoffs. Like I, I don't think anyone would deny that, but they've they've played some excellent hockey and they've they've gone on this incredible run and they've gotten to the Stanley Cup Finals, and you have to give them credit for that. But ultimately, just like the Bombers, you're like, well, you know, like there's always like, are are they the best team in the NHL? I. I think it's fair to say no, and just well like,
0: after they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, then they will be the best team oh, in the NHL. Oh, well,
1: that that's neither here nor there. But you know what I mean. Like Winnipeg, to me, I don't think they're the best team in the <clears> CFL. <throat> but I think you still have to give them their respect for what they did the last time we saw them play. But so to me, that's why I have them ahead of Saskatchewan because the last time they played, they they did beat the Riders. So, but this to me, just just like Montreal and Edmonton, this is kind of neck and neck, honestly. And if and it's it's really the Bombers are defending champs, so they get a little bit of a bump because of that.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. I have uh, Saskatchewan at number three. Uh, I think they're a team on the rise, and, uh, you know, they were <clears throat> they were one pass away from being in the Grey Cup against Hamilton, and, you know, maybe if they got there, we would have actually won the Grey Cup. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? But, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, they got a, a really talented team, uh, offensive, defensive uh, and I think they're going to be near the top of the standings in the West uh, this season. Maybe not at uh, number one, but uh, I think they'll be, you know, floating around number two or number three.
1: All right. So I've already said my piece on the rider, so we don't really have to get into that much more. Number two, I got the Calgary Stampeders, and people are probably thinking, what? Like Calgary? Like there's a lot of people out there that think Calgary's going to take a drop off. And I'm sorry, but until I see Calgary take a drop off, I'm not picking Calgary to take a drop off. They. They both missed most of the season. Like he played what, like eleven games in uh, twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. and they still finished. I think twelve and six. Maybe it was eleven and seven. And they hosted a playoff game, and they just ran into a buzzsaw in Winnipeg. Winnipeg dispatched of the third, second, and first best teams in the CFL in that playoff run. It was one of the greatest playoff runs you've ever seen from a team. Calgary, to me, as long as they're around, as long as Bo's there, as long as Dickinson's there, I'm not betting against them to finish either first or second in the west so for that reason i got the stamps at number two
0: yeah i'm with you man i got the, i got the stamps at number two as well and you know i in the past i've picked them to drop off and it just never happens they just make you a, look
1: foolish it makes you look yeah, foolish to do
0: that it it does and they just have a tremendous franchise you know they they run it well the scouts do their thing they don't they don't dive into free agency a bunch. Um, they just, it just seems year after year they bring in new guys that can do the job. And Bo is, uh, you know, Bo's back and he, he's presumably healthy now. His shoulders probably back to 100% after a year and a half off. So, listen, uh, I, I don't like picking them number two. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, the same thing that you said until I see an actual drop off, I'm not going to pick against them.
1: Um, speaking of the stamps, what do you think about their 75th anniversary uniforms? I thought they were pretty sharp.
0: I like them. I, I, I the, the thing I like about the most is that there's no black. in it. Yes.
1: That's exactly mm. what I was going to say.
0: Yes. I just, for years I've been harping on, like we have a team called the red blacks and you guys still insist on wearing red and black. Like just go back to your old uniforms where it was just red and white. It looked great. Uh, I think those jerseys look, you know, like, maybe I'd take a, you know, some of the stripes off the shoulders, but, uh, I don't know. I think they look really good in red and white, and I hope they stick that way because it's just ridiculous to have two teams that have the same uniforms and one team is actually called the Red Blacks. So it's not as bad as two teams having the same name, the Rough Riders, but, uh, you know, to me it's kind of close.
1: Um, you know what I This – I'm going to give the CFL, and this, this is, you know, two individual teams, both in Alberta, quite frankly, but both teams, Calgary and Edmonton, that have done sort of uh, – I mean, Edmonton did a wholesale revamp of of their team, and Calgary did these new uniforms. Knocked it out of the park. Like these things have been fa- like I am so I've heard Ottawa's going to get new uniforms. Like I'm excited to see some of the new stuff that these teams might have because so far it has not been a disappointment. It has just been like different levels of fantastic every time something new gets unveiled in the CFL. And and I, I don't know that that to me says uh, I don't know good things about this league. I think I think it means that uh, that that there's there's. You always hear people complain about stuff, and I you have aside from you know the expected people about Edmonton changing their name, but the revamped uniforms in Calgary and and the whole logo and name stuff in Edmonton has kind of gone over like gangbusters.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think they might be like turning a corner in like the marketing or something like maybe they I don't know they get it now. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's you know the Edmonton Elks great rebranding. Uh, I think they did a tremendous job there. And the Stampeders, the uniforms look look tremendous, and apparently they're selling really well. So I don't know how well that is, you know, in CFL standards to sell well, but, uh, you know, if it's more than the usual, then they're doing something right.
1: Absolutely. Okay, last but not least, obviously number one in the power rankings, just like number one in the logo rankings, and, of course, number one in yours and our hearts, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, much like with the Stampeders, the last time we saw these guys play – They were the best team in football. I know you're going to disagree with me on that because they didn't win the Grey Cup. We've gone over that a million times. To me, one game does not a season make. They were head and shoulders better than everybody else in the CFL except for one inglorious night. I got the Ticats first. This roster is loaded. There's very few question marks. They have the best quarterback depth in the league. They have one of the best head coaches and coaching staffs in the CFL. From top to bottom, this is almost... Okay, I won't say flawless organization, but this is right now they're the gold standard. This this the stamps for longevity, but currently from what we last saw, this is the gold standard franchise and until I see them drop off this year, I mean I said how you know, half an hour ago that I think they're going it. So I mean of course mm-hmm. I have the Hamilton Tiger Cats one and Mike, I you know, obviously you do as well.
0: No, I just left them off the list completely. <laughs> I got the Atlantic Schooners at number one. No. Um yeah, the Tiger Cats are, you know, they're, they're the favorite this year. They, <clears throat> if you want to throw some money on them, they're, uh, I think, plus 350 to win the Grey Cup, which, you know, is pretty good odds. Uh, you know, put 100 bucks on it, you get 350 back. But, uh, yeah, I just think uh, on paper, they ought to be the favorite. If anyone doesn't pick them as a favorite, I, I have to question your, uh, your knowledge uh, about the CFL season coming up or your loyalty. Uh, maybe there's some homers out there that are picking other teams and that's fine. But uh, yeah, I just think, you know, like you said, the coaching staff is back. The Pretty much all the players are back except for a couple pieces. pieces. Um, you know, we got the best quarterbacks in the league, um, you know, quite, you know, receivers group, you know, you, you go through the list and most, most groups would be if not the best in the league near the top of the league. So uh, yeah, I just, ha- I think they're, 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 ready to have a historic season. So number 1 are the Hamilton Tiger-Cats. So not
1: many differences between you and I. A couple flip-flopped here and there, but for the most part I, th- I think we see teams at least if we were to say maybe tier these, I think you have Hamilton at 1, Calgary at 2, like they're in their, their own tier. Then you kind of have the Winnipeg, Saskatchewan tier. We flipped them, but you know, we have them 3 and 4, you have them 4 and 3. Edmonton, Montreal kind of the same thing and then BC, I think, is kind of on its own level, and then you got the the two bottom feeders. So uh, I don't know, kind of the rare thing where where there's not much disagreement here. But uh, I'm sure we're going to get a million mentions as to why we ranked some team too low. And uh, I mean, we can come back and maybe science will prove us right at the end of the season when uh, Hamilton beats Calgary in the Grey Cup here in Hamilton.
0: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you know, it's, I think it was CFL News that tweeted out the the thing about the logos, and they got a lot of a lot of heat from that. So hopefully. If you're listening to this one, you know, tweet it out again and uh, take a shot at us so we get some more attention to yeah. the Podski Weebi.
1: Love it. Uh, okay, so if doing power rankings isn't enough to garner us some heat, uh, you kind of mentioned it. We also decided we were going to do some maybe a little too early, but definitely early, bold predictions for the upcoming season. And I have to admit, I got this idea after seeing your tweet, Mike, saying you thought the Bombers were going to take a step back. You mentioned it earlier. You said they're going to take a step back this season. And the first thing that popped in my head was, don't, don't give this away on Twitter. Save it for the show. So I hit you up and said, because of that, let's let's do a couple bold predictions. Let's come up with a few and have some fun with it. So uh, we both came up with a couple of them. And uh, I'm sure as the season progresses, as, as we get, not the season progresses, but as we get closer to the start of the, the 2021 season, we're going to have some more. So, uh, Mike, bold prediction time. Why don't you get us started with one of yours?
0: Alright, I'll 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 get uh I'll get this one out of the way and uh maybe you know, this is the the Tiger Cat fans out there, which pretty much are the only people who listen to this podcast, <laughs> are gonna be excited about this. Uh not that I'll be right, but uh the killer bees, number one and number two interception yards this season. Wow Brandon, Brandon Banks and Braylon Addison one and two. Uh I don't have a prediction who's gonna be one and who's gonna be two, but uh you know, either way, um, it might be a little bit bold, but uh, that's the name of the game, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, finishing one two is that's tough. That's tough, but I yep. I, I like it. Uh, I got I got to think Banks would be would finish first again. I just think that as good as Addison is, he does so much extra that Banks like he runs the ball. He sometimes lines up lines up in the wildcat. I mean, Banks runs the ball too, but. I mean, he's become such a go to receiver and, and had so much time off. I don't know. I, 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 love, I love the, the call. Uh, definitely, Ticat fans are going to latch onto that one. Ticat fans are going to latch onto this one, too. So, I mentioned the Ticats going undefeated. I, I thought they had a legit chance to. So, my bold prediction is this whoever wins between Hamilton and Calgary in that week seven clash will go undefeated. Leading into that game, the TICAD schedule is at Winnipeg, at Saskatchewan, at Montreal, hosting the Argos on Labor Day, then at Toronto. You look at that and go, whoa, four four or five on the road? And you think they're going to start 5-0? and oh? I do. Then you look at Calgary's schedule. Home to Toronto, home to BC, home to Montreal, at Winnipeg. Labor Day hosting Edmonton, then at Edmonton. The at Edmonton game could be tough. The game at Winnipeg could be tough. But the Stamps almost never lose at home. And you're starting with Toronto, BC, and Montreal. I, I think they get to three and easily. I think these teams are six and O and five and O when they meet in week seven. And I think whoever comes out of that game with the victory goes on to have an unblemished record.
0: I like it. I like it, and uh, you know that'll be must see programming if they're both undefeated teams going into the you know week seven or whatever it is. The, yeah, m- right we've right we never really
1: had that. Like the last team that I think that went really far undefeated didn't BC and like oh six start like 12 and oh or something but i i can't i do wonder mm. I, maybe i have to look this up or i'm gonna have to ask someone when's the last what's the latest we've had two undefeated teams go at each other i think that would be i i don't i, I can't think of it it like i mean i know there was like you know four and zero teams and three and zero teams but yeah. like i, I with this with the condensed schedule as well this is like basically the mid-season point that'd be that'd be kind of neat
0: yeah i i can't remember the last time you know two undefeated teams deep into the season uh, met up. So hopefully that prediction comes true for you, Josh.
1: All right. What do you got next for us?
0: Well, I'm going to, you know, this might be surprising for some people because I've been uh, a wilder hater for many years, but uh, I think James Wilder has a redemption season this season or this year. That was, Yeah, Uh, I think that the offensive line of the Edmonton Elks are tremendous. I think they're going to open up some holes for Wilder. You know, his last season in Toronto didn't go so well for him. And uh, I think a big part of that was the offensive line. He just didn't have anywhere to run. He'd get the ball and, you know, there'd be defenders in his face right off the bat. So I think with an improved offensive line, James Wilder is going to have a, you know, uh, I can see him rushing for over 1,250 yards
1: wow what's he what's he gonna do is he going thousand thousand are you are you gonna be that oh he's
0: not going a thousand thousand no that that's that's never gonna happen for
1: okay 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 yeah Yeah, i mean i can see
0: him maybe like a couple hundred yards receiving but uh i I see him having a big game on the ground or a big season on the ground
1: wow okay okay we'll have to we'll lock that one in uh so my next one it's my last one i only came up with two because i wanted to be i wanted the thing i wanted to do i didn't want us to just blurt out some people just blurt out like, "Oh, this is what I think is going to happen," and it's it's so ludicrous that it's like, "Oh, like I'm sure that there's going to be someone who's all oh, the Ticats cats are going to go winless," or uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like, like it's like, come on, like I, I, there's bold and then there's idiotic. I wanted ours to, I wanted to be these things that we actually believe could happen. I think you believe that James Wilder is going to have a big season. I think you um, believe that Banks and Addison are going to be one two in the league. I believe that, and now it, again, these things might not happen, but I believe that they are possible. That the Ticats and Stamps will meet undefeated, and the winner will finish the season fourteen and zero. This is the first one of that either of us has done that's negative, negative. Um, and it's about Cody Fajardo. I kind of touched on it earlier. This one's going to get this one. If there's if there's any Winnipeg logo controversy and heat that comes out of the episode, it's going to be my thoughts on Cody Fajardo. I think he is going to plummet back down to earth. I think his twenty nineteen season was a flash in the pan, and I. Don't think he's as good as the fans think. Um I understand, you know, he was the West MOP. Uh he led the league in passing yards, but these things are didn't happen in a in a vacuum. He was the only quarterback in the West that really didn't get hurt. Um he, he played more games than everyone, which is why he led the league in passing yards. And so I decided to break it down like per game. What did he do? And he had 250, a little over 253 yards per game, which is respectable, but not out of this world. Trevor Harris, Dane Evans, and Bo Levi Mitchell all finished with higher per game passing averages. Bo was at 314, led the league in that category. Harris was at 309. Evans was at 288. And they all played fewer games, but not like half a, you know, they didn't like these are, these are all quarterbacks that did this for that played at least 10 plus games. And then you had McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who finished at 251, Vernon Adams at 246, and Mike Riley at 243. And Mike Riley, who didn't have a great season by anyone's metric in 2019, 10 yards per game less, it's not really that big a difference. Um, I will give Fajardo this. His rushing stats were super impressive. Um, 611 yards on the ground, 10 touchdowns. But I don't know if that's going to be repli- uh, repeated this year, because I don't think they're going to want him running as much as he did in 2019, uh-huh. especially with how they have almost no experience behind him at quarterback. So if he gets hurt, they're really up shits creek. And now he's being paid like a franchise. It's one thing if you're being paid, you know, 150, you know, two hundred thousand dollars as a starting quarterback, but now he's getting that four hundred thousand dollar check, and they're probably going to want to keep him from getting hurt. So. I don't know. I don't believe he's going to be rushing as much as he did. And a lot of those, like you say 10 rushing touchdowns, but a lot of those were on design quarterback runs. I think those are going to get cut down tremendously. I think they're going to expect him to be more of a, a in-the-pocket passer. And yeah, he'll make, he'll make plays with his feet, but I don't think they're going to want him rushing for like 600, 700 yards. Um, and his passing touchdown numbers were awful. He had 18 touchdowns in 17 games, which is, you know, if you do the math, barely over one per game. Five other quarterbacks had more than him um, in that category. More touchdown passes in total. And Jeremiah Mazzoli, Trevor Harris, and Matt Freakin-Nichols all had more on a per-game basis, despite playing, especially in Mazzoli and Nichols' cases, drastically fewer games. So, I mean, his 18 touchdowns in 17 games is it's not good. Like that, that, that There's just no other way to put it. And like I said, he was the West MOP almost by default, and I think people are using... The idea that he was "quote unquote" the second best player in the CFL in 2019, and thinking he's going to be that again, I think people are just too quickly anointing this guy, and I think he's just primed to not live up to these expectations. I think he's more likely to be in that sort of Matt Nichols, fifth, sixth, seventh best quarterback in the league, which is still it's not it's not a bad place to be. I, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's a terrible player. I just think. The expectations and the, there's some people out there that I'm seeing that are saying he's going to be MOP this year. And I think that's just like if, if both Levi Mitchell and, and Mike Riley and Trevor Harris all play a full season in 2019, Fajardo's not the West MOP. You know what I mean? So I just think that there, there's kind of no way that he's going to live up to these expectations that are being set on him. So I think that uh, he is primed for a a precipitous fall off in, in where fans sort of view him in the quarterback pecking order.
0: Oh, you stole! You stole my Cody Fajardo drop-off bold prediction. Oh, you that, had that one too. Yeah, I did. I just think that for all the reasons you said, um, there's going to be. We've seen it a lot in the CFL where a quarterback has one great year and then and then and then they just drop off the map. And Jonathan I don't, I don't Jennings, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's you, we the picked, we, is, we picked him long. to an
1: MOP the year after he had that massive season with BC.
0: Right. Yep. I mean, Casey Printers was, yep. like, MOP-worthy. I think he won the He MOP. won the MOP in O4 Yeah. He didn't play in the Grey Cup, but that's no. a, that's a different story. Um, but, yeah, I just think there's going to be a, a – spe- you know, he plays in Saskatchewan where football is king, the riders are king. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. There's going to be a lot of expectations. And I just don't think he's going to live up to them. I'm sorry, but, uh, but I'll change it up a little bit because I had a secondary quarterback that uh, is very similar, uh, Nick Arbuckle. Uh, I think that, you know, he he was he played good in Calgary, but, you know, a lot of people can play good in Calgary in that system. But those players with those coaches, they make a lot of players look really good. So, um, you know, there's nothing that indicates that he's going to have a massive drop-off. But I just, going to Toronto with all those new faces, with that new coaching staff, and I know he's familiar with Ryan Didwitty from his time in Calgary, but I just, I just see him... Um, not succeeding. Uh, there's that little bit of a pressure coming in with uh, McLeod, Bethel Thompson, coming back to the team. And, you know, uh, I know that he, he's not the best quarterback in the league by any stretch or, you know, even, you know, in the top five or top six. I know he had great numbers um, the last time he was with the Argonauts, but the team was terrible. Um, but I, I, I just don't see Nick Arbuckle, you know, really taking off this season. It's not to say that... He won't eventually be a really good quarterback in this league, but uh, going from the Stampeders to the Argonauts, it's not going to be easy.
1: Well, and the thing, too, is I don't think he's going to have a very long leash. There are sky-high... We, we I talked about Fajardo's expectations. There are sky-high expectations for the Argos to not only be competitive, but to be one of the best teams and to challenge Hamilton for the East Crown. Like, there's... If they get... I, I mentioned their schedule. I'll go, I'll go through their schedule again. They, like, it's... At Calgary... At Winnipeg, home to Winnipeg, home to Edmonton, at Hamilton, against Hamilton, and then at Saskatchewan, and then Montreal goes there, and then they find like the first they, they could legitimately start the season zero and eight, and if they start zero and three, Nick Arbuckle's pulled, and McLeod Bethel Thompson is 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 in the game. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. that is as hard of an opening schedule. Like it, it, honestly, you look at that and like what game do you really like? maybe, maybe they can beat Edmonton at home, but like they're losing, they're going to lose to Calgary the opening week. Then they got to go to Winnipeg. They're going to lose that one. Like it's, it's an, like I, if I kind of, I don't want to say this, but I kind of feel bad for the Arcos. Like that's a brutal schedule. And that doesn't include the two games later in the season. They got to play against the Ticats again. Like they have one of the hardest schedules, if not the hardest schedule in the CFL this year. And that, and with it being a condensed season, only 14 games You get off to an 0-5 start, you're done. This is not going to be a repeat of 2011 where a team starts 0-5 and then all of a sudden they make a run and win the Grey Cup. No, you're you're 0-5, you're kaputs. And they could legitimately start 0-8 before they get to their bye. And that's just... like And and that's not even saying that they'll be bad. It's just look at the teams that they got to play. Like That is as hard a schedule as I've seen any team have. So with that said, I think I kind of side with you there. Arbuckle, even if he looks good, even if he's playing well, if they're losing games, they signed... McLeod Bethel Thompson for a reason, and they're going to be quick to pull the trigger. I think. I think Arbuckle gets two, three games tops to show he's the guy, and then maybe you have to you have to go to the next guy, especially if they lose th- those opening games. They're going to have to make a move because if they if they finish you know two and twelve or three and eleven again, like they're head head like I don't care if it's been one season that that won't that won't stick with the people at MLC.
0: No, and isn't it? I think it's better for the CFL if you if you start zero five that you're you know you're not going to be. Getting back in it. You know what I, I mean? Agree. Like t- chopping off four games is a good thing. And I know it's just going to be temporary. And I know that they'll never do it because the revenue that comes in from those extra two home games. But I just think it would be so much better if the CFL ha- played 14 games every year and the games meant more in the regular season. But, you know, that's. That's here, here, no, there. So uh, I know that people don't agree with me, and, that, and that's fine. But I would love to see a shortened season. Hmm,
1: hmm, kind of neat. Uh, I was wrong about your Edmonton prediction. You know what I thought your Edmonton prediction was going to be? What's that? Trevor Harris. You, I thought you were going to say Trevor Harris is going to win MOP. Oh, no, no. You were talking so glowingly about Trevor Harris, yeah. and I'm thinking, oh, okay. So he's, he's priming me up to say that like, Trevor Harris is going to win MOP. And, I, and when you went with James Walter Jr., I was like, wait, that's his, that's his Elks take? Oh, man, I was mm-hmm. way off.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I thought you might have figured me out, and I was like, "Oh boy, okay." No, but then, not uh, even close. Yeah, I I just, I just think that uh, you know Wadler is is a beast. Um, he's built, you know, like a Greek god, and he can. If there's holes for him, and he gets some speed, uh, he can run over some people, and he can make you know make some big plays. So I just think that uh, he's primed for a uh, for a big season.
1: Yeah, and I do agree with you. A lot of his struggles, uh, his last season in Toronto, was how that offensive line was. I think mm-hmm. his his yards before contact must have been if it was a yard it was it was lucky. You know what I mean? Like it was I remember especially the games against that that I watched when they played the Tie Cats like there were they times were right when, there. when he when he didn't even have the ball in his hand yet and they were already in the backfield tackling
0: him. Like it was that yeah. bad. They were not not a very talented or not a very good cohesive offensive line, that's for sure.
1: No, not at all. So last time we uh oh wait, uh before we move on, any other bowl predictions or are you tapped out like I No, no.
0: Yeah, that's it for me.
1: All right, perfect. Uh, You got some questions lined up. You hit hit, hit the old mailbag. It was a a pretty popular segment the last time, so we figured we'd do it again. So uh, what do do we got in the old mailbag this week, Mike? Mikey's mailbag. Well, that's what we should call it.
0: Mikey's mailbag uh, from our loyal listener, listener, Tiger Sammy. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Thanksgiving Monday game, and should this be an annual thing? Labor Day in Hamilton and Thanksgiving Monday in Toronto.
1: Love it. Love it. My only quibble with the Ticats schedule is they should have flipped the home games. The the, the Thanksgiving game, I think, should be in Toronto. Instead, it's in Hamilton. And then the Week 15 contest, I think, should be in Hamilton, but it's in Toronto. Love it. Absolutely love it. I think Hamilton and Toronto playing on Labor Day is awesome. I think if you you can get another marquee matchup between those two, sell a a bunch of tickets. Now, it's a 4 p.m. kickoff this year. I wish it was a 1 p.m. kickoff. 1 p.m. Yeah. Toronto, Thanksgiving Day. You get a bunch of Hamiltonians driving up there. I think it is a slam dunk home run. If I, I, I see no reason why they shouldn't do this every year. I think it would be perfect.
0: Yeah, there's. I mean, you can't go wrong with building a, another tradition, right? So uh, Tiger Cats and Argonauts on Labor Day, same thing on uh, – on Thanksgiving I uh, I think it's a great idea. I think they should totally go forward with that and and, and make it happen.
1: Yeah, I, I I think the um the other I think what I would do is I would make Thanksgiving Day Monday an all eastern affair. I would do I would build up the Ottawa Montreal rivalry and obviously the Hamilton one. And I think Ottawa Montreal should should going forward be a be a Labor Day thing every year too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It just Maybe, maybe not Labor Day, so. but
1: that but that weekend.
0: Yeah, they're so close geographically and it just Build it up just that makes sense rivalries for them, make,
1: That's what makes this league great.
0: Yep. These rivalries,
1: yep. like that, I want to see. I want Montreal and Ottawa to have a rivalry. Like if we ever do get to a, an Atlantic team, I want uh, them in BC playing the uh, the, mm, the the coast, coast to coast rivalry. That would be awesome. Like, I, build up more rivalries in this league. I think that's what makes that's what makes sports fun, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. Yep. Anyway, I, I don't mean to cut you off so many times, but yes, I'm 100 percent on board with Thanksgiving Day in Toronto every single
0: year. And um, if they ever got a team in Quebec City, I think that would be tremendous for a rivalry between Montreal and Mm -hmm. Quebec City. You know, you saw it in hockey uh, when Quebec City had a team and, you know, expansion will probably never happen in this league. But it would be nice to, you know, build up more rivalries. Um, The next question comes from Truly the Goats. Uh, Since CFL Pickham has been so freaking impossible in the past, how the hell are we expected to play competently this season?
1: Uh, well, being Canadian and with the recent Senate approval and passing of Bill C-218, forget CFL Pick'Em. Put actual money down on single CFL games. We don't need to play Pick'Em anymore, man. Now it's time to start making some cash Ola betting on mm-hmm. CFL games this year. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it, I mean, that's going to be hard too because, like, with, with the year off, we have no idea what's going on. But, no, no, Pick'em, Pick'Em's dead. It's, it's, it's over. We, we're, let's, let's make some real money now. Let's make some, let's bet on single game CFL games. That's where we're
0: going. Yeah, I agree. You know, you just, it's going to be fun this year, you know, being able to bet on single games. You know, I hated the, I hated the pro line thing where you had to bet two or three games. It just like, just puts the player at such a terrible position to actually win. So, uh, yeah, I, I I dabbled in the pick I was more of a fantasy guy, but they they don't even have a good fantasy anymore. So they really need to get on top of that. And, uh, Build a good fantasy, you know, database or, or website, and and try to get this thing off the ground. But I, I'm I'm scared that we're so close to the season now, that you know it's just just there's going to be nothing really. They'll have the them probably at TSN, and maybe their crappy fantasy stuff that they've always done. But uh, yeah, I, I think if you want to, you know, get those juices flowing, get that adrenaline flowing from the betting, you do the uh, the single game betting and uh, have fun with that. Absolutely. But don't let it get out of hand.
1: Yeah. Because it's- yeah, gamble responsibly.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay, so and we got a couple questions here that uh you know, I was an idiot and put out the the tweet yesterday, I believe. So the ones that the more, you know, complex questions we have we have to think about. And and we'll get to those uh next episode. So if we didn't answer a question, we we'll, we apologize, but we will get to it. Uh and we got one more here from Gary. Um uh, might bro or Rico return for a short Grey cup season? Who are your Sam linebacker possibilities and bro's position? And, uh, he wants to know if there's going to be a full blown festival, uh, Grey cup week in Hamilton.
1: Okay. So for the festival thing, I think, yes, I think it's going to be as we're talking mid December by then. I, I don't see how we're not almost completely back to normal. If not completely back to normal, maybe masks are still a thing. I mean, it's also going to be cold, and I, I don't know about you, but wearing – I mean, you're in Edmonton, so it's cold all year there. Uh, wearing the mask out and about – this
0: weekend, it's like 30-plus.
1: Oh, Jesus. Oh, Yeah, lucky you. I'm
0: sweating in this room because I turned off the air conditioning. <laughs> so,
1: oh, yeah. um, but you know what I mean? Like, going out in the winter and, and having a mask on my face, it was like – I mean, I have a big beard, big bushy beard, but, like, the mask has kept everything else warm, so that was kind of nice. So maybe masks are still a thing, but other than that, I can't really see how uh, – how anything else is 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 really going to be different from any other Great Cup festivals in the past? Um, what were the other ones? Uh, a bro uh, and Rico coming back?
0: A bro or Rico might come back for sure. I
1: shorts. I don't think so. Uh, I th- I think I think the guys that are retiring now are legitimately retired. I think they've all moved on. Uh, I if you follow Delvin Bro on Twitter, you know he's really into legalized cannabis. I think he's moved on to that. He's promoting his book that he wrote. I think I think he's moved on. I think Rico. Uh, same thing. I think he he's he's got other interests and other other uh, lines of work that he and he gets to stay home with his family. And so I think I I don't think you're going to see any of these guys that have retired, especially ones that aren't like in the like they don't live here. Like if if you were to ask like oh Ottawa suffers some catastrophic injuries and they say hey Brad can you suit up for four games maybe you know, I could see something like that happening, but, but guys like, uh, specifically bro and Rico, I, I don't think that they're, uh, I don't think they're, they're, they're coming back. I think their their careers are actually over.
0: Yeah. I'd have to agree. I think that, uh, you know, as much as we'd like to see them back in tie cat uniforms, I, I think they've moved on and, uh, you know, as will the tie cats, they will, they will find good replacements for them. And, uh, you know, they might not be as good, but uh, I think they'll do a, a really great job in filling in those spots.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for anyone to replace Delvin Bro. The guy was the best cornerback in the right. CFL. Like, yep. that's like saying, oh, Deion Sanders retired. Now you got to replace him. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa that's not easy. Like, yeah. so, yeah, there's there's probably going to be some hiccups. The player, most likely, I think in my estimation, it's going to be Jamal Roll that's going to get the first opportunity there. And I believe that was the other part of the question who's going to replace Bro and, mm-hmm. and who's going to play Sam. Yeah. Um, I think Jamal rolls the guy that that ultimately gets the first dibs, so to speak, on taking uh, Delvin spot. Um, Sam linebacker to me is that's that's like I, who knows? Like Dave's, the Ticats have so many uh, DBs and and smaller linebackers on on the roster right now. It's going to take getting to training camp, and and because training camp's not going to be open to fans or media, we're not even going to really know then. But it's going to it's going to take a while before we have any idea who they're even considering there. Um, there's just so many options, and and none of them mm-hmm. are like really veteran CFL guys, so uh, that's almost impossible to answer at this point. Although I'm sure when we get into discussing things like that more in depth, and maybe putting together a, a starting lineup, we'll, we'll obviously have to make some choices there. But as, as of right now, I think it's it's too it's too early and too hard to tell.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. I I totally agree with you. I think that Jamal Rowe gets that first shot at uh, you know I think game one it'll be him. A bro's old position, and then, yeah, it's a big question mark at the Sam linebacker position. There's going to be a, a tough competition in training camp, I think, and the, the best one will come out as the victor. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not too worried about it. I think that Jamal Rowe will be a tremendous fill-in for Bro. Obviously, he's not, he's not Delvin Bro, but I think he'll do a great job, and, and they'll find someone to play that uh, Sam linebacker position as well.
1: You know what? I'm shocked. No one asked us. No one asked us about Justin Medlock. Like, obviously, the report came out about a week ago that he wasn't going back to Winnipeg, and I think everyone kind of believes he's going to retire. But we didn't get a single question about a kicker. And I thought for sure someone was going to say, like, hey, Justin... Because how many guys, ex-TiCats, get released by someone or are pending free agents? Like, can we bring him back? It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. like, like we still hear people want to bring Dave Stala back, and the guy's in his 40s. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and no one says anything about Justin Medlock who arguably and maybe inarguably is the greatest kicker in cfl history has some ties to the team orlando it's not ken austin anymore it's not june jones orlando steinhauer's here who he has a relationship with like they, they, they go back to their days with the argos because uh Steinhauer was on the coaching staff in toronto when medlock came into the league so it's like the fact that no one brought that up i was i mean pleasantly surprised because I, I i hate those questions of ex tie cap bring him home but I'm also shocked that it didn't happen because I thought we'd have, we'd have some, some material to talk about. I, I don't think it's a pot like to, to give an opinion on, even though no one asked, I mean, I guess we're, I guess now I'm asking my own Josh from Hamilton asks, um, <laughs> I don't think, I think he's, I think he's going to, I think he's done, but yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm surprised that we did not get a question about whether or not we should try to bring Justin Medlock back.
0: I mean, I'd love to have him back. I think that, uh, that would make me feel a lot better about the kicking position, but, uh, yeah, I unless you know he gets a big contract like he did in Winnipeg this last time. I think he was like one hundred and seventy five thousand. It was 000. yeah, that's, it was big. That's a lot for a kicker, right? So yeah. uh, unless he gets you know an offer like that, I I think we've seen the last of uh, Justin Medlock. But I did hear that the Flutie brothers might be coming back and playing with him. <laughs> <laughs> that is
1: a rumor that I will never ever forget. Oh, they're gonna come, they're coming out of retirement. So Doug's so, gonna so, play so, for
0: the so, Ticats. So, so, was it Marty York that was pushing that rumor? I think so.
1: Which I mean, yes. now uh, hindsight being what it is, I think we kind of know exactly what uh, yeah. what what Marty York's good for. Yeah. Uh, was that it? Is that all?
0: Yeah, that's it for the questions. But uh, yeah, once again, we'll, we will uh, answer the more in-depth question at uh, uh, next podcast.
1: All right. Um, I mean, to kind of put a bow on this, Mike, another episode where we just talk about football and. Mm-hmm. That is essentially going to be the show from here on out until the end of the season, because it's back, man. We're we're talking about on-field stuff, and that just feels so goddamn good.
0: It does feel amazing, and uh, you know, if you want to if you want to hear football talk, this is the uh, if you want to hear Tie Cats football talk on the field, this is where you go. Yeah,
1: awesome. All right, so that was Pods Community for this week. I'm Josh Smith.
0: I'm Mike Graham. them raw.
1: them raw.